on this episode of the Heartland Pod for Monday, February 26th, 2024. We're going to talk about Wisconsin. They've got some maps up there that are, hey, actually some good news. We're going to talk about what's going on in Michigan with the GOP because it is an absolute mess up there. And then we're going to spend some time down in Alabama with the unfortunate ruling that came out about IVF down there and unpack that. Lots to talk about. Stick around. Let's go. Welcome back to the Heartland Pod. My name is Adam Summer, and with me is my co-host, Rachel Parker. We are here together working to change the conversation. Sean Diller has the week off, so if you're a regular listener, you're missing Sean's voice. Don't worry, we're missing him too. Uh, But Sean's got other stuff to do this morning, so we press on without him. For those of you who listen a lot, yes, my voice is a little bit off today. I had a show last night, plus a sinus infection this week, so you... I, I sang for three hours last night on the end of a sinus infection. So you can imagine what that's doing to the vocal cords today. But Rachel Parker, how about you? How are you doing and what are you sipping on? I myself have a nice big cup of very hot fancy coffee. Thank you for that. Um, I'm doing all right. I had, uh, because it's spring now apparently already. Um, <laughs> yeah, February, that's the other part. I guess- I guess February just isn't going to happen. I guess we just skip to March, which, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's well, one that's of those things is. where it's This like, is my March sinus infection. Right, so exactly. Right on schedule. Like, yeah, so yesterday I had, and, you know, as for all of you Missourians and Midwesterners out there who are allergic to tree pollen, yeah. uh, this week welcome has back. not been great. Yeah, welcome back. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the there's a magnolia tree in Tower Grove Park that's in bloom right now. Mm. Mm. That's um, mm. the magnolia like, tree in Missouri blooming in February. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I'm sure it's not the only bloom. The flowers are coming up in our yard already. Yep. And um, I want to enjoy it, but I know it's wrong. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. like it's yep. it's like when you're. I I don't even think there's a a catastrophic equivalent that I can I can equivocate on a personal level. Uh, taking a cruise, making maybe taking a cruise, like you know when you take a cruise, like it's so ecologically awful. That you just can't really enjoy yourself. It feels like that. Um, I am also sipping on uh, coffee. My coffee is uh, requires half and half, unlike Adams, which is probably glistening and uh, semi clear. And we'll let's, we'll agree to disagree about what coffee should and shouldn't be. It is glistening. Um, it's not clear, but it is glistening. No. Okay. So the new machine we got, I can add a oh, shot of, a, of espresso. There so we go. It's coffee plus a shot. Okay. Of espresso. Right. And uh, we, might have yeah. to re- we might have to reevaluate then. Uh, and I have a question. So now that it's no longer football, now that mm-hmm. we're no longer in football, mm-hmm. what do you do? Because it's too early mm-hmm. to watch preseason baseball. Yeah. Um, so you, are you, do you, are, like, where does basketball rank? Are you, a, like, are you, are you into college basketball? Yeah. Does that college yeah. basketball fills the void? I love March Madness. Um, I like, I like, so I like the NBA and I love March Madness and I like college basketball. But honestly, what happens is um, I become wildly more productive uh, at home. Like, I I forget every year because it's like during football season, it'll just be like, man, it just feels like there's so much that we're not getting done around the house. But we really love football season. Like we right. just love it. And so it's your season. It's yeah, your, we, and we you lean also love, it. And you're also like, you guys also then get it on the back end because you love 
regular season baseball, which yeah, makes you, yeah, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, strange, crazy people. But I forgive. But, but baseball is a because, true pastime, so like yes, you can you can yes. do things while the baseball game is happening. Which is why that, I hate it so much. But yeah, like go with ahead, football, continue. like you really can't walk away. Right. So right. you're kind of locked in for this three hour marathon thing. Whereas with baseball, it's like ah, there's a game on. I'm catching it. Maybe I've got it on my headphones. I'm rocking and rolling, but I'm like doing yard work and cleaning the garage right, and doing right, so. I just get right. back to doing dad shit, basically. Okay, all right. Yeah. So you've so you built a library of bookshelves and <laughs> yeah, exactly. The addition, yeah. Finish the addition on the house. Put and, stuff okay. together. Yeah, okay. change light bulbs that have been out for four months. Um, you know the basics. I've always I've always contended that March Madness was everyone's like low. It doesn't. But the great thing about college about uh, the NCAA uh, basketball championships is that each it's one game. I think it's the, the best stakes, sporting event. The stakes are on the so does everybody. Yeah. The stakes are so like I will watch it. Well, that's the thing is you don't have to you don't have to know who's playing. You don't nope. have to know about the sport. All you Anything. have to know is that especially that first Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like yeah. if you just put on those channels and just let yeah. those games roll as they stack up, and it's just like fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, so much fun. And yeah, all right, cool. I want that was a question I had. And I yeah. feel satisfied with my answer. Thank you Excellent. very much. All right, Excellent. cool. Well, that seems like a, a great place to uh, move to here. Talking politics. All right, we're into talking politics. Just a reminder, uh, if you want to support this show, all of the shows that we make, including the Dirt Road Democrat with Jess Piper, help us support theheartlandcollective.com, where you can find shows and information and also lots of great uh, posts in our news section. Uh, we have a new feature, the Commiseration Collective, uh, with guest contributors. Contributors, uh, Angela just posted one over there uh, about infertility, and it's a very good read. Uh, there's a, just a ton of stuff to read uh, on the website. We try to get as much up as we can. And that's also where you can sign up to be a uh, subscriber to join our Patreon family at $5 a month to get uh, the basic unlocks. And at $10 a month, you can get live Sunday recordings. So this show, if you're listening to it Monday morning in podcast form or watching it on YouTube, uh, you can join us Sunday mornings live and get some of the more behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, you know, before we edit it and all of that. A um, little bit different format for this week's show just because of kind of the way the news is shaking out. And, um, you know, I, I made a point and, uh, you know, Rachel and I, message about this. Uh, I mentioned with everybody, but uh, last week, you know, I, I did that episode about just kind of taking that step back and taking that inventory and kind of trying to remember that, you know, we can't, you're not going to fix it with one week or one event or one, you know, whatever it is, it's not going to happen like that. And so we try to focus on what we think is important, not just what is noisy. And that is a tough distinction sometimes to make in political coverage, especially. Uh, so, but I think this week that's what we have here. So, uh, can, I make, gonna... can I make a Loki joke that only if you're going to get? I also use notes when we <laughs> record our podcast. Sorry. <laughs> yes, as as do I, as do I, as do most people I know who are high level thinkers, because you can't memorize everything when it's real. Isn't that and any and anyone who can might be a pathological might narcissist. be a, yeah or a liar. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So this has been uh, covered in lots of places, including over on the Heartland Collective. Rachel, you wrote about the Wisconsin maps over on the Collective. Uh, I also have a, a ProPublica piece up here. So the, I'm just going to pull this headline. Wisconsin picks new legislative maps that would end years of GOP gerrymandering. Uh, I think that's a very simple summary of what has occurred. On the 20th of, uh, or on the 19th of February, uh, Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers signed the redistricting legislation into law, said today is a beautiful day for democracy. Wisconsin is not a red state. It is not a blue state. Wisconsin is a purple state, and I believe our maps should reflect that basic fact. Uh, this is in the yeah, yeah, Rachel, for that reason. Yeah. You, you, you proposed it, and I want to throw it to you. Well, we've been talking about this for going back to like the whole time yeah you (laughs) interviewed somebody from uh justice democrats wisconsin i can't remember what yeah that's social what i don't remember exactly what like two years ago yeah like a a grassroots uh might have been our revolution i don't remember when and i apologize for that i should have really checked but anyway so we were talking about this at the beginning of the 2022 midterm cycle before the cycle so yeah probably was two years ago and the question on the everybody's mind in wisconsin was can they replace the retiring conservative retiring supreme court justice with a more liberal judge and overturn their gerrymandered awful maps and redraw their maps before 2024 and the answer to all of that is yes yes they did it and i i'm not going i i would point everybody to the uh Kind of, I, I amalgamed a bunch of different pieces together and I included all the links and I suggest that you guys go there and, and check them all out um, because actual journalists wrote it and I um, I didn't crib their work. I just point people to it. Right. Uh, that the, some of the, so I guess like I'll, I'll, I'll do the detraction first. I guess some of the Milwaukee Democrats were not happy that Evers didn't, um, that, that Evers signed this bill instead of forcing the issue back to the courts, because I guess they don't trust that the Republicans won't challenge this map in court either. Mm-hmm. And that's the detraction Yeah. in the coverage that I read. Everyone else is like, they're not going to do that. This is their map. So the, the Wisconsin is interesting because they have a super majority in the legislature, but they have a Democrat as their governor. And, um, when the Supreme Court of Wisconsin overturned their legislative maps in December of last year, that suddenly gave Evers just this lean back moment of like, you better come to me with something I'm going to sign. And so the Democrat, you know, of course the Democrats want maps that are going to favor them, right? right? Naturally. And what it sounds like happened is that Wisconsin picked up, I think it's like 16 Democratic seats. I could be misquoting. Yeah. And um, a whole bunch of districts, like, I don't know, eight, 10, something like that, that are truly competitive competitive, districts. So Evers smartly, I think, and and also like there's a Guardian story that I linked to that um, at the end of the story, they talk to somebody who's like, basically like, this is what their organization does is they advocate for for fair uh, congressional maps and fair legislative maps. And they were like high-fiving. So I'm like, well... If those like lefty nut ba- if the, if those like super lefty progressive people are happy, so am I. Like if if that's what you right. that's kind of by the way, like that's a great way to interpret news for people. If you go to like if you triangulate like, well, what did Juan Gonzalez think? Right. What did Noam Chomsky say? 
And what did Tim Snyder say? If you go to those three people and they all agree, just whatever they say. Right, it's probably so, solid, yeah. Right, exactly. So that's kind of what I did with this situation. I sort of went out there and I was like, what is other? What is everybody saying? And I was like, oh, like everyone's happy except for like the Wisconsin Democratic Party because they didn't get everything they want. And that's their job. Their job is to fight for Democrats. It's right. literally the job. Um, so this is uh, a true victory for democracy. And I mentioned that like, if you go back, so Scott Walker drew these, drew the first legislative gerrymandered maps in Wisconsin in 2010. Now we fast forward to 2020 and they did it again. And they, so I know that 2010 sounds like a long time ago. I'm going to write a piece about this for the collective this week. I know that 2010 sounds like a long time ago for a lot of you. Um, It doesn't really sound that it doesn't feel like that long ago to me. It does when I really think about it. But like politically speaking, it doesn't though. Well, also like I was middle-aged this whole time. You know what I mean? Like it's like to me, it's like a chunk of an era in my life. Uh, So that's one thing that I would tell people that are younger is like at some point um, things are going to feel a lot shorter to you. So to me, the work of Scott Walker, former conservative labor busting asshole governor, anti-abortion, pro-Trump, you name it, <laughs> ex-presidential candidate. Remember right, that? That right, was so funny right. when he thought he was going to be president. Um, he's like the Rick Santorum of Rick Santorums. He is. He's so ridiculous. Uh, and he's such a jerk. Um, uh, he was almost impeached. I mean, like all this, right. you know, like he. So his his legacy's over in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so interesting because, uh, like, it, it's a perfect example, like you said, of, you know, the Democrats in Wisconsin, th- you know, they might want more. And it's like a, a really good example of oftentimes the pull between the reasonable folks and what's going on with the Republicans right now is that, like, we just want it to be fair. Like we just want the rules to be reasonably right. applicable across the board and have Correct. actual elections and actual contests where people are getting to make an and actual you, choice. And also you don't want the new bamps to get thrown out because they're not fair either. So Right, but that's like the great tension because yeah. it's like the Republicans will just grab, 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 grab. And so I can understand the temptation if you're sure. the Democratic Party 100%. to say, now we need to grab, grab, revenge. grab, grab, grab. I want revenge. Right. And and that's <laughs> what's so tricky about it is because like if at the end of the day, if your principles aren't going to stop you from doing that, then what's the difference, right. frankly? Right. Um, and the you know, the, the principle of fairness is so tricky because if you're just trying to always be fair and the other person's always trying to cheat, right? It's like hard. The, the frustration just gets higher but and higher and I'll, higher and higher. I'll say like, I don't know if I said this already because I've only had one and a half cups of coffee, but um, the the smartest reason for Evers to do the, to, to sign uh, the, to sign the new maps uh, and cooperate. And I'll put that in quotes with the Republicans and the conservatives in his own state legislature is because Courts are far less likely to throw out maps that were uh, drawn up in the legislature than they were in a court. Well, and this was so, the governor's proposed map that yeah. the Republican-controlled Correct. legislature okay that the governor then signed. Like that, yeah. The, I think that's a great point that it, it creates it creates certainty, which is a good. That's point. right. That's right. Um, it is. It you know, is. If you're running Especially... for office in Wisconsin, you don't have to wonder if your map's going to get thrown out or not. And right. they got rid of the things. You know, it talks about in the the ProPublica piece about the Tyrannosaurus Rex 
that they had created where they took a a seat that had been held by a democrat for 50 years and in one map redraw changed that seat like that should tell you what you need to know um at that point in time and i would say too like imagine what would happen in missouri if suddenly we had four more democrats in the house right or two more democrats in the senate right if what the, that gives if the you legislative is... districts were not drawn in such a way to split apart places like columbia and springfield and warrensburg Louis, and st louis, louis yeah. and can't like they're it is drawn in a way to pull these population centers so that you get a piece of the population center and then you pair that with a bunch of non-populated area to to create an advantage or a disadvantage you know it, it makes weak seats for democrats that can be challenged but it also makes super strong seats for democrats that turn into the same thing that the super strong republican seats turn into where everybody's racing all the way to the extremes and then those people wind up in the legislature on these like polar you know completely polar opposite ends and they're they're almost not even speaking the same language sometimes and and they're coming together from totally different areas into this part-time gig where it's ridiculous. i mean it's it, how do you it's almost like it's, it's almost like it's unsustainable by design but anyway yes that is absolutely correct well let's uh let's move on then over to michigan true or false all right true or false rachel the michigan republican party um is fucked I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say true. <laughs> I don't even know. What else. I just don't even know another way to say. I it. don't like, even know. There I was searching for like, a word. I'm trying to be polite, but I don't know a better word. Like, it's, I mean, it's all that's encompassing. What you, that's what you'd say if it were a marriage, right? If it's right. your friends, you'd be like, "Oh, that marriage is fucked, dude. It's just so, fucked." So, for those of you who haven't been following Michigan, because you know there's a lot of other super important things going on, uh, the Michigan Republican Party has had a massive leadership fight going on for a year yeah it's just been ongoing they now have a primary and a caucus planned for their presidential nominating uh (laughs) delegates and that's coming up uh this week so this this is tomorrow tuesday the 27th is when this is this shit storm is going to hit what is Um, the name of the lady who did not become the secretary of state of wisconsin or excuse me michigan who is like still claiming Christina, Christina Caramo. Okay, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Pete so Hoekstra Christi- and Christina Caramo yeah. are are both claiming that they are the chair of so the Michigan GOP. The former is the chair of the Michigan GOP. The, the really RNC happened, recognizes yeah. Pete yes. Hoekstra. Yeah. Yes. So Pete Hoekstra was, according to the bylaws of the Wisconsin, or excuse me, sorry, Michigan Republican Party was elected as the chair. Right. Um, Christina Caramo was dethroned <clears throat> because they haven't raised any money because she's in crazy. She's crazy a super pants. hardcore MAGA who took over yeah. like many right. of these state parties. They right. just turned over the keys right. to, the, to the cuckoo birds. Right. And she was she was part of the fake electorate scheme. She doesn't think that the 2020 election fair was won by Joe Biden. Um, that is her whole platform. Her whole platform is the 2020 election was stolen. This is a really good example, by the way, of like why you got to hate the game and not the player. Right. Donald Trump is the game. She is a player. I'm not a fan of hers and she's going to get what's coming to her. They all will. 
But what I think is kind of the same thing happened in Nevada, right? Where you had like, and we sort of made fun of it because Nikki Haley ran in the caucus and Donald Trump and Donald Trump was in the primary or whichever way that went. And she failed to secure any votes at all. There's no question that people think that Donald Trump is going to win. So Paramo is hosting this, this caucus situation. And she's saying that whatever we win or the actual, like whoever it is that wins my caucus should win all of the Republican delegates in uh, Michigan. And the official party is like, no, that's not how it works. So if you guys don't think now, look, I, things could happen. I, I forget exactly when the uh, Republican convention is at sometime this summer. Um, when yeah, it's usually late July, early August. Yeah. I think that this woman who is probably addicted to the fame, because again, we were talking about people that will settle. We're in the era of the internet. Right. People will settle for infamy. Uh-huh. If it keeps uh-huh. them on top of the, if it keeps them on top of Twitter and it keeps them on top of Google, they will settle, settle for infamy. Right. Thanks internet. Um, it, it's a great lesson to remind folks also, um, because that's uh, something that lots of folks are guilty of is uh, winning on the uh, internet is not the same. So just because no, you're having a good day online no, doesn't mean you're having no, a good day doesn't, in it, politics or activism. Yeah, there's a there's a very all of that does not necessarily translate to um, we call it online to offline. Right. So some forms of online success do not transfer to offline success. Anyway, so <clears throat> so I, I'm pretty certain that Ms. Karama will take whatever she thinks is her own victory directly to the floor of the Republican National Convention to the both delight and consternation of Donald Trump right. and Donald Trump because he's going to win both. So this is what's so strange is that Donald, this is why what she's doing is so fantastically stupid. Donald Trump is going to win both of those. Right. Donald Trump right. is going to win both the convention or excuse me, the, uh, the primary, the official primary and the caucus. What isn't clear is how this will impact the convention. That's where all this, like people forget that these primaries are not a subset or an arm of constitutionally mandated election processes. Right. The only thing it says in the constitution is that states will run their own elections and you have to send uh, electors to the, uh, to represent the voters on this stupid Byzantine thing called the electoral college. Right. It doesn't yep. say anything about primaries. Primaries are a thing that we made up to a point. It's, it's okay. It's okay for parties. It's a very old way of doing things. It's okay for parties to say, we're going to get all of our members together and we're going to say, who do you want us to nominate? And then yeah. we nominate them at a convention. Yeah. So the conventions have been all but sort of like formal pageantry. I right. I don't know. I think, I think the, I think this could get, messy because even if the rhinos i'm just gonna start calling them rhinos because it's a more it's a more concise way of calling no i'm not not, not. i'm gonna call them the norm course i'm gonna stick with norm i'm gonna stick with my own nomenclature we just call them republicans (laughs) norm core mitt romney republicans uh or norm core roy blunt republicans whichever whichever you prefer and the maga republicans might be a little bit more of a gladiator fight at the convention than we think and nothing yeah. Yeah. turns off a swing voter 
more than infighting. It so. is going to that is going to be the most interesting part because you're right that the I mean the conventions have been largely pageantry for years. I, I mean, what's the last truly contested convention would be what Nixon, right? The the Nixon nomination. Yes. Um, Humphrey. That's, that's it. Yeah, Nixon Humphrey. That's probably the last truly yeah. contentious yeah. convention that was yeah. like there was uncertainty. There was like yeah. floor movement. Yeah. There was yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. And since then, it really hasn't been so. That was what sixty eight, I think. So yes. I mean, that's 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 a that's a long going time. Back. It's going yeah, back. That's that's a long time for sure. Uh hey, welcome to Michelle. Michelle uh Mears has joined us. She's part of our ten dollar crew now. So shout out Michelle. Thanks Good for morning, joining Michelle. us. Good morning, Michelle. Thanks for the support. It means a lot. Uh we're gonna move into uh we'll call it what are we gonna call this? Yeah no. The big yeah, the big yeah, yeah, no. the big yeah no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. This could be a lot of things. This could be 2024 coverage. This could be the big one, but it definitely is a easily qualified as a yeah, no, and it's a huge, huge yeah, no. Uh, surely, uh, if you're listening to something like this, you have seen the ruling from Alabama uh, regarding IVF in a Supreme Court decision, a state Supreme Court decision in Alabama, uh, ruling that. Uh, Embryos, frozen embryos, are the same as children for purposes of a wrongful death case that was brought. Uh, The essential summary is there were embryos in a freezer, there was an issue with the storage, and the people who owned those embryos, uh, which is just that sentence alone should tell you how stupid this ruling is that you can say the word owned those embryos, um, had... Uh, a case for damages for wrongful death. And it initially they lost that case basically on the theory that you can't have wrongful death of an embryo because it's a, not a human. And then the Supreme Court of Alabama said, not so fast. Uh, we're going to make some stuff up and apply some logic that doesn't really make any sense and say that those embryos are people, which the immediate aftermath very predictably was to throw Alabama as a state and uh, everything regarding uh, IVF in Alabama into an immediate state of panic and uncertainty as to what uh, was or was not going to be able to be offered going forward now that we have this uh, distinction that's being made by the court. Um, The less immediate fallout and meaning first hour, second hour, <laughs> not not days. But the less immediate fallout was the rest of us realizing something that I know a lot of women, uh, including you, Rachel, and many others who I have talked with, and uh, Angela, who wrote uh, the piece for The Collective, picked up on right away. Um, and so I want to turn it over to you to just lay that part of it out and just kind of let this conversation breathe and I'll yeah. pull the pull the curtain back some for folks. So this week, you know, we we use Slack a lot, and so we we have written communication a lot. And as anybody who who does that, you know, you read emails, whatever. It's tone becomes a really tricky thing in conversations when they're written, and especially if two people are in different mental places when you're writing those things, and different. Um, careers and you're trying to catch up with each other when you're in between meetings and other projects and stuff. Correct. And so we had one of those moments this week where, you know, 
I think I have a handle on how heavy this issue is. And this moment sort of was a, a stark reminder to me of like, even, even as somebody who's trying to be empathetic, sympathetic, understanding an ally, all of those things. That... And you are, let's be clear. Like, yeah, you yeah, are. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. I, I think I qualify, but even then it, it You're just... a feminist. There's no yeah, doubt right. about it. You are a feminist period. There, full stop. The end. There's, it's no different than other relationships where, you know, you can think you're being a good partner or spouse or whatever, being a good parent or whatever. And then the other person tells you how they feel or tells you what their experience is. And you, if you're not listening, then it, it gets, it gets harder. So I, I, I just, with, with that, I just want to turn it over and let you talk oh, about thanks the for saying thing. that. Yeah. We had like, we had like a little moment. Um, and it, I think that like we should totally do the, I don't know if people listen to pivot, um, but Esther Perel, who's and an I did insanely listen to that. Gift. Perfect. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I um, see why you brought it up right away because I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this is perfect. Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, I I really think everybody should listen to the podcast to to pivot from Monday. Oh, so so it would be a week ago today if you're if you're listening on Monday, um, because Esther Perel, who I think is an insane, she's like a really gifted and empathetic psychologist who's got or psychoanalyst who's got um, a podcast, and she talks to Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher about like why they're a successful duo because they don't always agree with each other and you hear them disagree in real time. And like, it's okay to disagree. And um, we're going through, and I think like, if we're going to start there, what I would say is like, there's, you don't have to, when we're talking about disagreement, it's not about like calling your friends that are MAGA voters and being like, are you, do you see what you did now? It's a, it's about sort of like, if you're, not someone who, if you're somebody who thinks you understand this whole issue, now is probably not the time for you to go lecture your liberal activist friends about what are you going to do about this or something. I don't know. Right. That's not what you did. I'm not saying that's what Adam did, but we had a we had a, a a momentary disagreement, and it ended up with me being like, I think that you need to understand how fucking painful this is for women right now, right. Or for anybody who has a womb. Um, uh, and I've I've never wanted i mean I, at some point in my life i did want children i suppose if if by the time i met my partner elliot my husband if we had tried to have children ivf probably would have been involved i probably would have been more likely to adopt because that's just my my jam but that's not the point the point isn't what i want the point isn't what and the point also by the way i don't think i mean legally speaking it is absolutely about people who are trying to conceive there's no question there but the long game and angela points this out in her piece is that it's not about IVF. Right. This is about the the religious right, which includes Catholics, um, uh, denying accepted science to pursue their ridiculous uh, religious agenda. And the Catholic Church has never gets enough credit, as far as I'm concerned, for uh, this you know like josh howley is catholic he's not right. he's not evangelical he's catholic roberts chief justice roberts catholic right, the hardcore um, pro-life catholic because yeah. there is that like i think there's people started to think of catholic as kind of a little bit more democrat Liberal. um yeah. and certainly there's are. plenty of that and you know kennedy was sort of there i think that's there, there was probably some holdover from that um that just sort of naturally existed for a while yeah it doesn't mean they're woke though right right, right like just because right. somebody's catholic can't anyway so well, there was lots of like union guys you know it's just yes, like old school yes, guys at the knights of yes, columbus who are union yes, workers and drinking yes, their beers and yes, they voted for yes. kennedy and 
you know, it's like that, that existed for a long time. I had my, my in-laws, uh, uh, my wife's grandfather that just passed recently. He was old, this old dude, right. Who like hated Donald Trump, old union Catholic guy, hated Donald Trump. Just, uh, he's a perfect example. And so the Catholic church has always argued that, uh, any form of birth control is a form of murder. Yeah. So throwing it back to Howley for a second, if you want, there's an article uh, that I shared in Slack that I think is going to be on our show notes this week that uh, the Guardian wrote about, like, look no further than the amicus brief that Howley loves to brag about that he wrote mm-hmm. for Hobby Lobby mm-hmm. um, that said the reason that the government shouldn't or the reason that an employer should be forced to cover birth control in their insurance benefits is because birth control is abortion. That's basically what he says. And yes. so he laid the foundation. He helped lay the foundation for this decision in Alabama. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll broaden out and then I'll let Adam ask me some questions. Cause I don't want to get too emotional. Cause it's been really hard to sort of like sit in the seat of, of remaining rational. Mm-hmm. This first of all, I'm not surprised. Like it's what is, what do we keep saying? I'm shocked, but not surprised. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, the Alabama legis the I, I was it, I don't know if it was f- through voters or through the actual legislature that the Constitution of Alabama was changed to basically include fetuses as an as 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 basically like being defining life at conception. It's yeah, it's the old change that was made. Basically, if you kill a pregnant woman, you get double charged, right? You get charged with two homicides. Right, but this is in their state constitution. Yeah. So they've been laying the groundwork for this for if you want six years but Mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna go back further i'm gonna go back to when george w bush beat ann richards uh to become the governor of texas and that was when the evangelical movement that we are now living in the backwater of gained real political ascendancy it's all it always had like it's fringy people it always had it's like it's um there's a piece that we're gonna that, that will go up this week that adam wrote about like uh this was always their favorite wedge issue because it was just so easy it was just so easy to say well you can't vote for a democrat because they're murderers mm-hmm. um but it, it, you also point out that um because i've seen it i get to edit adam stuff it's really fun that like they didn't really believe that like most of them didn't really believe it but i think like we are now so deep like neck deep in generation after generation after generation of republican lawmakers who have been told that democrats are murderers they believe it now well because now they've been told it since they were kids right exactly and now exactly that that makes it a belief at that point it's no longer a position that's right the the distinction between beliefs and position that's right is i mean it's extremely important yeah it's everything um so w for his part, I remember um, when he was, um, oh my God, the president. I, ugh. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, Just like getting into the headspace of uh, the aughts. Uh, he got to tell, he got to write the, the chapter on how we treat stem cells. Right. And I remember like when he was writing the policy, you could feel the Christian right with their finger on the trigger. Like, come on, man, come on, come on, Mm -hmm. come on. You can't. And I was talking to my friends at the time. I've I've said this before, like Gen Xers 
liberal progressive Gen Xers feel similarly to W as everyone does about Trump. I'm not saying that W was as bad, but like, uh, like I'm going to pull a hair out and split it for you if you want. Seriously. Seriously, I will. From a policy Um, standpoint, I think that's a fair thing to say. Right, sure, sure. So, I mean, like, if you don't like the public school system in the way that it is now, you can go back to them. Um, And I, we were talking about, like, this should not be an issue. They don't take stem cells from aborted fetuses. They take stem cells from miscarried fetuses. This should just be, we should just be celebrating the fact that America has the resources and the institutions and the academics and the universities to study some stem cells so that we can innovate like life-saving miracle cures for people when they are children are born with chromosomal abnormalities like Clara or, um, you know, when people get cancer or, you know, all those things. And instead we are talking about whether or not it's a person. Mm -hmm. And that was 20 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. So we've been on this path for a long time and I've been, bracing myself for it for a long time because I've been watching them slowly saw the leg off the, ch- you know, it's, that's how you really, the Cheney's and the Rumsfelds and those people, they really knew how to Roy Blunt, those people, Mitch McConnell, they really knew how to just comp- like to just slowly, slowly, slowly. So, you know, saw away at the chair of the, at the, the, the chair of the, of the leg, the, the leg right. of the chair. Yeah. This was a prison escape. Like this was a, a yeah, tunnel yeah, dug yeah. with a spoon. Yeah. With a spoon and a, and a, and a whatever a chair, you know, a, 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 a bedpost. Um, right. And uh, so do I think that I, I think that somebody like McConnell just wanted to stack the courts so that we could live through an era of you want to talk about legislative justices that was always the bitch that we heard from the conservative movement is like these supreme court justices write laws activist well, judges activist ju- we are we are living through an era where the supreme court is going to undermine established federal authority over the right. over the air we breathe the water we drink the taxes we pay, it's going to get brutal. That is what they've always been after. Right. I, I'm, I've had this argument with, with people that are well-meaning, but they're younger than me. And they think of people who are evangelicals as the true power brokers. And I think that people like uh, the, the Coke people and the, you know, the, uh, you're all of those kind of conservative uh, packs, like your conservative, um, mm-hmm. Uh, think tanks um americans for our prosperity all that kind of stuff Heritage yeah all those people yeah all those people they have always taken a in my mind they've taken a very big hand and they will pat people like the prince the princes i mean the prince family betsy devos's family i forget Mm -hmm. her son of a bitch dad's name um uh i was gonna say something else but i'll 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 keep it i'll keep it cleaner uh for a (laughs) sunday morning um uh or a monday um we're patting those people that had to be like, yes, yes, yes. The sanctity of life. Oh, gay marriage. It's so bad. And they gave them just enough power. So they felt like they were in the driver's seat such that they would corral their base to vote in primaries and to show up on election day and to like, let candidates talk in churches and, you know, um, agree with the NRA. How the hell did you get the Christian right to agree with the NRA? Good job. Right. Um, and, all of these people, whether if you want to go back to Nazi Germany, 
Um, and like appeasement strategies with Hitler are more recent examples than that. Uh, Vladimir Putin, Benjamin Netanyahu. If you think that appeasement strategies, they thought that their appeasement strategies would keep them in power and they were wrong. They were wrong. They were absolutely completely wrong. I promise you that Mitch McConnell, that old cretin, is looking at Alabama like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But he will never, ever, ever own his role in how this is going to destroy the lives of families all across these United States because he got his justices. That's all he gave a shit about. And the unintended consequences of all this are not, they are his responsibility, but as far as he's concerned, because he's the, he's the end of the journey that I just talked about. Right. Right. right, He is the ally of all of those people. I'm not saying he's not religious. He probably is. He's from Kentucky. I don't, he's old and from Kentucky and white. So there you go. Um, But here we are. And I, you know, I will say, um, if you feel particularly emotional about this decision because of how it's affected you personally, and I don't want I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm attacking anybody. I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to take a beat and I want you to call. This is what I want people to do. I want you to call someone who has been in the trenches of this fight for pre-Trump, pre-2016. Someone Uh who's like at least my age, between 45 and 55. I want Uh you to find someone like that who supported Bernie Sanders, who uh, has been to more than one pro went to at least one Iraq war protest, something, somebody like that. And I want you to call them and I want you to say, are you okay? Tell what do I need to know? What do I need to do? Tell me, don't call that person and lecture them. Call right. that person and offer your support, your uh, solidarity, your apologies. I should have listened to you sooner. I'm so sorry. What would you like us to do? I'm in this with you now. I didn't get it before. Now I do. I didn't believe you. I thought you were exaggerating. I needed to believe that everything in America was going to be fine. I was wrong. Um, that is if you're a man. That is if you're a woman. And you can call a man. I'm not saying that every single person who has been sort of like out in this fight is a is a is a woman there's plenty right. of men right. who i've would consider to be absolute complete thorough ally they're usually gay but um you know people because people you know before trump like you know we all kind of had to sort of stay in the same right. rooms together right. and be like right. we have to support each other um uh, I th- but go ahead i, I just want to underscore that point of you know, in the activism circles of all of this, and we have a lot of folks who I would consider activists who listen to these shows, and I, with good reason, right? I think that's sort of the point of these shows in a way is to bring those types of people together. And it is really tempting to forget that politics in this way did not start in 2016. The existential crisis of the march of the far right and what they are attempting to do and what they are not, they're not attempting. We're in it right now. Like we're in the end game of what they were trying to do for all of those decades. Yeah, the dog caught the car. Here yeah, we are. We're, we're here. We're living it. And so it didn't start in 2016. And so if, if you're a person who was heavily activated by Trump and a lot of people were, and that's, you know, it's been a good thing. It's woken a lot of people up that were sort of passing through and that's wonderful. And you should not feel like your advocacy means less. You should just make sure, like, 
Rachel was pointing out, just recognize that that advocacy isn't new. It's 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 just evolved. It's it's gotten broader. It's gotten bigger. It's gotten louder. Um, but it's not a new thing, and the threat isn't new. And this is I'm going to read this really quick. This is from the Nation. This is an article from the Nation. Okay, I'm just going to read this little piece for this context. According to the documents, the conference attendees discuss strategy on campaign finance, climate change, health care, higher education, and opportunities for taking control of the Senate. The draft agenda was available for viewing. According to other sor- to another source who also attended the conference, 300 individuals worth at least a billion dollars each were present. This source said that the explicit goal was to raise $500 million to take the Senate in the midterms and another $500 million to make sure that who could never be president? Who do you think's name? I'm going to guess it's Barack Obama. This one is Hillary Clinton. This was okay, the 2014 right, okay. Okay, okay. special billionaire. No, this is the one, okay. the Coke billionaire. So remember, remember the episode of... <laughs> uh, of America succession okay yeah okay when they go, go to the resort with all the billionaires to pick the presidential candidate are you talking about when they go to davos yes or yeah 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 okay and it's so like this is... it's just all the rich people and all yeah. the people who want to be president and they're yeah, just yeah, basically yeah that's yeah. what this is so this was a the 2014 meeting where it was pre-trump was this actually in davos or is this another no this is at a resort in mexico okay got it got it got um it, got it. And it was Marco Rubio and Mitch McConnell and all of the, you know, name a Republican in 2014 who had some power or aspiration. Tom Cotton, Jim Jordan, all these guys. They were all there with Rich Divas, who you were talking about earlier, the founder of Amway. The, all of these people were there. The Coke, you know, the whole Coke thing, right? It was all there. That was 2014. That's not the first time they've done that. That's not new either. They've been doing this since the late 60s. They've been having this billionaire club. And what they are is this, we've talked about it before, right? It's this weird, they kind of see themselves as masters of the universe, that they are such exceptional people because they were capable of earning all of this money. And that means that they should be making the decisions because they're smarter than everyone. Correct. Yeah. And Elite so people always think that they're, they know better than everybody else. Exactly. And on t- layered on top of that is this religious yeah. belief yeah. that a lot of them not they let just them... use, but they some of them are serious, right. and they also are very happy to have it, and and that's part of what they see as a threat. You know, these are the people who, when you say "Make America Great Again," what they're talking about, right, is that pre nineteen fifty five, pre integration, back. You know, when it was it was smoke filled rooms yep. and the, the elite landowning yep. white men yep. making the decisions with nobody else in the room. Right. And it's not new. It's just right. it's, now it's happening in public. Like it's just think, happening. Now. Yeah. On that note, that's a really good point. That's a great poll. If you guys if people want to know what how the in how the inner workings of someone that literally entitled thanks and how they see the world mark andreessen of andreessen horowitz who is one of the globe's biggest assholes Mm -hmm. um wrote a wrote uh what did he call it uh not a what am i trying to sorry the coffee is still clearly not uh it's early you guys he wrote a uh like 
not a dissertation. What am I trying to say? When you make a, a public thesis? No, when you, it gets, it's it's when a you book? make a public when you make a public declaration of something. Um. Uh. Anyway, whatever. Mark Andreessen wrote what amounts to like an essay about like tech optimism because the government is finally trying to regulate uh, the uh. technology companies and 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 also like has a much more sophisticated understanding of how important it is to regulate around artificial intelligence. You think? You think maybe we should put right. some guardrails around that thing? And um, he, if you read it, it's so galling because he's not as smart as you think. He's not as smart as he thinks he is. Uh, he has these huge blind spots. He thinks he's, uh, he and he alone and he, like his ilk. So, you know, a handful of people, a handful of billionaires in Silicon Valley know so much right. because- that they should listen to the rest. Like we need to listen to them, even though they're not elected re- elected representatives. They're not. Um, their companies are not uh, necessarily always like VC venture capital funds are not publicly traded, so we don't necessarily always have a lot of insight or transparency into right. how they operate or how they think. Um, so therefore, we should all um, just do what they think. Period. Right. End of story. And that's like so when you get a whole bunch of these people in the room together. Um, what they want is to end, to end all forms of taxation. They want to be able to, um, store their money wherever they want in the world. Mm -hmm. They don't want any, they don't certainly don't want the, the international banking system to be aware of, if you want to know why they were all so into crypto and why I'm so angry about it still, they don't want any, um, banking entity to know where their money goes. They don't want any, they don't want to fill out a single source of paperwork that says like, where did this money come from? Right. Where did you get this money? Where did this, okay. Like. Okay, so it originated in the United States. Okay, you're Elon Musk. You own Tesla. We don't really have to do much because we you're a, you're the chair. You're the CEO of a public security company. We have a pretty good idea. But but if some random person in Lisbon suddenly gets a wire transfer of five million dollars, and that person wasn't a millionaire before they got the wire transfer, the international banking system can justifiably be like. You need to tell us the source of those funds right now. And you need to demonstrate who the hell it came from. Right. That is what they don't. That's just one wildly. That is one example of, of the things that they would like to have happen because they don't want to right. be accountable to anyone. And the downstream effect of it has always been that they thought that nobody was ever going to get rid of their favorite wedge issue, which is abortion. Right. This is in, I, I should say that one of the backdrops is we're not even talking about is that Wayne LaPierre, former head, former of, the NRA, head of the NRA, yep. is on the hook for, mil- I don't know what the final judgment millions was, but he's, millions and millions. He's, 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 he's screwed. Couldn't and, happen to a nicer guy. Right. And so like the question now is like, will the, will the, like, will the gun ownership apparatus have as much power in politics as they used to? Because they overreached, right? Like he got, Wayne LaPierre was like, he loved that life, man. He loved mm-hmm. going to those kinds of meetings. He mm-hmm. loved that he got to go and mm-hmm. court all these politicians and have so much power. Everybody wants at the minute that you're around it, it's like the, suddenly like, you know, the air does. I haven't, it hasn't happened to me that many times and I don't, I'm not going to sound like I've lived some fancy life that I haven't, but I have been around people who have been around those people a few times. Um, and I've been around those people who have run campaigns for those kinds of people a few times and they have so much money. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. so many, they, it's not even just the money. It's the resources. Mm-hmm. It's the having the hand to kind of go like this. And I will tell you that those people in the in the conservative movement, when Sarah Palin shit the bed 
for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. They were pissed. They were angry. And I don't think that they did enough soon enough to divorce themselves from the Christian right because they don't know how to win elections right. without them. There is an article that we shared this week. It's in Axios. Um, and I'll take Axios off my shit list long enough to recommend this article. Um, Trump's GOP shows its extremism could be a problem in November. You think, you think, right. you think maybe it might be a little bit of a problem. Um, if you look at the attendees of CPAC this last week, um, what you will see is a group of people that represents maybe a lot of the Republican base for sure. No question. Right. But the Republican base is not the country. No. Yeah. The Republican no. base is not swing voters. Um, so we are in, like you said, man, we are in their end game. Right. Um, I don't know. Well, I would love for you to talk. If I, I've, I've been yammering. Can you, cause you said something to me that I thought was really interesting. And I think this is where I want you to kind of dig in a little bit. Um, for a couple minutes maybe is the weird thing about the appeals process with this case because mm-hmm. the plaintiffs were successful mm-hmm. and the people that were sued it's not like in other situations when we talk about abortion and abortion rights and birth because we have to tie this to abortion rights this is what it is. this is all about yeah yeah the the plaintiffs are typically uh, you know, vested interests in um, well-funded vested interests who have who want to see cases get who want to see bad laws get thrown out. Uh, so it's the ACLU or it's Planned Parenthood or it's a, 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 a some sort of a some sort of an amalgam of those people right. or it's an individual that they're suing on behalf of. So the ACLU will sue on behalf of so and so because some somebody will have um, what's the word when you have the right to sue someone? Adam Summer, lawyer. Standing. Thank you. So the ACLU will say this person has standing because you've taken away their voting rights. So this person has standing because you've taken away their, you're denying them their right to gay marriage or same-sex marriage. You're denying them the right to abortion. In this case, the only, as far as I can see, because the state wasn't, it wasn't like somebody was suing the state of Alabama. Mm -hmm. It was a, uh, I didn't look. It's a private action. Right. Right. Yeah, it's so a private it was, action. It's not a so public the, issue case. It's not a. Right. It's not a a, 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 a policy case. It, That's right. It, it creates policy, Correct. but it is a private action of right. a wrongful death. It's it's the same type of case that would be brought in a car accident uh, setting. Yes. It's a wrongful death yes. personal injury case. And it should have been a a damages case. Correct. That's what it should have been. It that's, should have been a damages case. Essentially, what it is, and it, it is, but the wrong kind of damages. The outfall. The, the what, what? In order to get to their damages as plaintiffs, it required this this sort of waltz through the law that happened in the Supreme Court because the lower court said you can't have damages because there's there can't be a wrongful death of an embryo. Well, they could have if they had. In my mind, if if I was if I was If I was going through uh, IVF and I found out it's expensive, Mm -hmm. if I found out that there was a mishap at the um, at the clinic that resulted in the accidental Mm -hmm. destruction of my private property, which is what uh, a a frozen embryo is, then I would have said, "Okay, well, I'm going to they have to refund me. They have to give me like we have to do this all over again. Something has to happen so that I'm. And like it's a tragedy for you personally. I'm not right. saying it isn't at all. Yeah. Um. Uh. But that's. But of course, like the 
never to you know this is not what this is about these people were told to bring this about this way because they're well there there was two there's two parts of it and i do want to i want to pull the distinction on the thread because there was the wrongful death part of it but there was also and what the lower court said was look you can't move the wrongful death part forward but there was a contract expectation so there was what you're talking about which is the private business side of it and the lower court said look you can you can have that like there's liability there there's a there's a contract there's expectation there's damages there's no question that there was uh damages in that but this particular issue is what bubbled up to the supreme court of alabama and that's where this ivf case that everybody's talking about is came from and that's where this language and so my biggest issue and it's what i write about and i I encourage people to read what goes up on the collective because i tried to break this down into more of a legal political pure analysis what adam's talking about will be up uh tomorrow monday yeah so it'll it'll be be there when you're listening to this you can go right there and read it afterwards um but but as in essence i think that the way the story got grabbed was also kind of a problem because what what happened was people grabbed this language from this justice and it's bad this justice in alabama that's just straight up preaching from the pulpit in his in his opinion but the distinction wasn't brought appropriately i think to to let people know that was not the opinion that was a concurrence from a justice who was saying i'm voting with the majority but my reasoning is different on my vote but the actual opinion, the actual law that was made in Alabama was not that person's opinion. It was this other majority opinion that was essentially taking this term. And I've pulled up, uh, this is uh, from the NC, uh, so this is, this is national health essentially. So they took this term extra uterine and they have taken the argument made by the Hollies. I'm not going to say Josh Holly because he's he's cribbing his wife's work. She's 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 the real brains behind this operation. There. Yeah, she should be she should be a moderate Republican in the United States Senate. She's sure. she's yeesh. Um, so this extra turn extra uterine. Um, if you look at actual medical information, that's talking about a child that has been born extra uterine so it is the transition from fetus to newborn and what they've done is they've taken this term extra uterine and they went backwards with it they've now applied it to pre-gestational uh human tissue and said that this is now extra uterine life and so it is an extreme extreme position the implications are we don't we don't know them like we, we we can speculate to them, we don't know them. And when we talk about this as abortion rights, this is now far past that issue. And I think we are now in a zone where the attack on medical science and, and women. It, it is right. an attack on women's healthcare specifically. It is certainly and that's what's interesting is it's almost an endorsement of the medical science to say we've come so far that we're now taking a term that used to only mean post-birth, and we're now applying it pre-birth because the science is now so advanced that we're we're going to support that. So it's this weird amalgam of those issues. But what winds up happening is it, what I think it has done, and what I this is where, and this is the difference between why your reaction and my reaction. I think were were so different 
not that the core of it was was the same right, but right, right. the 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 overall because for for you you know you went down the path that i think a lot of our listeners went down i'm sure most women went down i'm sure plenty of men went down which was the anger the fear the frustration the almost dread the, the just every negative emotion packed into one thing bam here you go here's your worst fears all realized in an instant um oh and by the way have you heard about the election <laughs> right it's just all bam here it right, is right and for me it was about an hour of oh my god oh my god and then stepping back and going wait a second they just connected ivf to the abortion argument in a way that is going to allow democrats to talk about this issue with people who otherwise would have not wanted to talk about it and wouldn't have engaged it wouldn't have engaged all. it has opened the door politically to a group of people with money time resources desire all of those things and it has taken their somewhat i mean again we're talking about ivf it is expensive so we're talking about people who probably are a little bit more insulated from the daily political pressure correct yeah and it's now put them smack dab in the middle of the game that they didn't ask to be in because it has taken what was a, a a a miracle of modern science and it has now placed it into the political realm that's right and said the future of this issue is now based on your vote and i think that we can now draw it's no longer this argument about why abortion rights means all of these other things that's it's right. now a straight line arrow to say voting right. for republicans is voting against ivf that's voting right. for republicans is voting against women's health care I don't right. even think that's I, – I have no problem saying that. And as you know from doing this with me for all these years, I'm super careful about drawing like an absolute distinction on something. Right, right. And I, I can't it's find the, a way to the, not do it. It's the lawyer in you. You yeah. just don't do that. Yeah, you just don't In this do that. instance, I just don't have a problem saying voting for Republicans is the same as saying I think that uh, we shouldn't uh, – that this IVF ruling – is good it is saying that this is appropriate and that this is how we should do it and if you've been paying attention to what's happening in alabama what you're saying is essentially we should make ivf an uncertainty moving forward and potentially have serious legal implications what happens what happens rachel and this i'll throw it to you with this what happens and i'm gonna make a really broad hypothetical here all right you decide that you want to freeze eggs and, or, and you do the work and you have them fertilized and you go start going through the process of, of IVF. But for whatever, and this is all purely made up, okay? So yeah, everybody yeah. understand this is all fake. But you, you find out that Elliot can't fertilize and so you have a friend or whoever it is, right? Let's say it's me. Let's say, let's say that we have an agreement to do that and then – Something happens, you make a decision, right, to destroy or whatever or not go through with it, and then I sue you. Right. This has happened before. They've tried this before with um, – so cases have gone through the courts where everybody was like – and I couldn't tell you – I mean, you know, it's been too long uh, for me to track all of them. But the, the, the right is very good at funding the right lawsuits, mm -hmm. the Christian right and the religious right. And um, there have been – custody battles over frozen embryos before 
and the courts will go it's this isn't a custody battle this is a lawsuit because you're not fighting over custody of children you're fighting over property rights so get out of my family court thank you very much and so this was the one time that like this again this is like this crack in the they they changed the state constitution such that a fetus is a person so this was the perfect place to bring this kind of action and then they did it and here we are so the answer is i would uh first of all i'd hire you as a lawyer um uh but it would be very i would i would insist that the lawyer keep this case in uh we'll say like not we keep it out of family court the minute it goes to family court the state of missouri the conservatives are like yeah. right that's what they want um and there have been uh successful suits where the uh i'll say the the the, the male partner the husband with well, the father whatever sued for the right to not allow his partner to destroy frozen embryos. And, I, you know, again, like, I feel like those were probably at least over 10 years ago. I think it was, I think it was during Obama yeah. where everybody was like, oh, this is very bad. This is very, very bad. But in those, I believe in those decisions, it was the judge saying, well, it's half of his personal property because he helped pay for it. Um, as long as he continues to administer the cost of preservation, because it's not that expensive to keep embryos frozen. It's not free, but it's not, um, and and like, by the way, like I have friends, this is, this is one of the things when you think of like all these people at impact. So a friend of mine, um, was, is, is a mom, she's my age and she uh it took her years and years and years and years and years to figure out like why she wasn't like her eggs weren't good and whatever so she had her daughter buy by way of donated eggs and donated sperm and she has successfully she has uh viable embryos a couple of she's you know viable frozen embryos because they do have to um angela says it's better than i could in her piece like you know they don't keep all of them they keep the ones that think are viable and she will give them to people if they are unable to conceive and the only her only requirement is i just and i think this has happened once i think it's already happened once where they this couple had a baby and her only requirement is like my daughter just needs to have a relationship with their sibling because it's a full-blood sibling that Mm -hmm. they're basically like it's very strange but like that to me is beautiful and personal. Maybe I am going to cry now and her right to do that. And all of these things should not be the only where the only place that the law should get involved. Oh my God, I didn't cry. Okay. The only place the law should get involved is that those is, is, is where the law inter- intersects with medicine, mm-hmm. malpractice, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know were you treated incorrectly at the clinic did they lie to you or all those things like that's where the law should protect people who are trying to conceive the rest of it is nobody else's business and if you think like i can't imagine a situation where uh a sperm donor finds out that his genetic material or her i suppose um is uh available for you know is is now like i mean you sign all these documents that say like you you don't have the right to any children or anything well what if that changes now what if a sperm donor is like how many kids do i have i want parental rights 
if yeah. you live in Alabama, that is now something that you have to think about. If you have used, because sometimes the reason a couple can't conceive is because of male fertility issues. So they use sperm uh, from a sperm bank. So I don't know. And, you know, the you're right that the silver lining is, is that all these mostly suburban people who have been living pretty okay lives, I'm not saying they're wealthy, but comfortable, privileged lives, mm-hmm. um, who didn't want to do politics because it doesn't really affect me. I don't mm-hmm. vote because it doesn't affect me. I don't really pay attention because it doesn't really affect me. And that if is you a don't really... feel the fire and smell the smoke, you'll never know the building's on fire. That's right. That's right. And and I always thought like, what if? And I a friend a friend of mine doesn't vote, and I remember saying to him, what if? What like when I lived in California, and I was like, you know that you feel that way because you live in a place where people like me do all of the work, right? right like, right. And the reason you feel that way is because you live in a state where like you safely know that like reasonable people are going to be like in control of your government, except they're not always, and like. What an arrogant thing to say. What a, what a cocky white male thing to say. Well, it doesn't, yeah, of course it doesn't affect right. you because you're right. not homosexual, black or female or heaven forfend in the eyes of the American justice system, all three. Right. So um, the reason that you stay active and the reason that you're supposed to pay attention is because you're supposed to help people who aren't you. Yeah. Um, but now maybe we'll kind of all be in this together, but I, I'll, 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 I'll throw it to you to talk about this concurring opinion and what you kind of my question to you is like is there another legal action from this from say like does the aclu get involved now to help defend this clinic that has basically been told that you can't operate anymore um they might Uh, because of because of the fallout that's where they may be able to come in um there's the clinic itself may still um, move forward with an appeal on the ruling. So th- there's nothing that says that this is the end of that particular lawsuit. Um, and I, I, I just, what I would say about the concurring opinion is I think people should be careful about um, how they're talking about this, because I think that simply throwing that up and saying, this is ridiculous. It is, but that's not going to convince the people to to vote. Like saying this is ridiculous is not enough. Um, because that's a different debate. Then you're getting into the debate about, and that's where the Republicans want the debate because they love using the the uh, the Declaration of Independence as the basis. It's like the 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 theoretical basis for the, the a lot of modern conservative politics is the language and the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. And as I will continue to point out, and will always point out, the Declaration of Independence ain't the law. It's never been the law. It was a it was a breakup note. It was it was it was a it was a strongly worded letter, right? Like that's what it was. It's not the law. It's I'm not gonna, the establishment gonna, of law. I'm gonna use it to show that I remembered that word I couldn't reach for. It was a manifesto. A manifesto. Yeah, that's exactly. Couldn't find what the word manifesto. Yeah. It's embarrassing. That, that's Sorry, that's what it was. And so they've taken that and run with it and ignored the fact that the Constitution is the the supreme law and that the Declaration of Independence predates the law of the United States by a pretty significant margin. And it isn't the law. It's just a thought. It's all it is. It's a thought that some that was written down. Um, and it's a good thought, but it's a thought. So that is, I think once you get into that, what is the basis of our law? Is it biblical? Is it not? Is it, are we a Christian nation? Are we like, that's a debate that doesn't need to happen. 
um, because it doesn't move the needle. It it can feel it, that's a that's a Twitter debate. That's an online debate. That's again back to the you having a good day on Twitter doesn't mean you're having a good day convincing people to yeah, vote. Yeah, you don't have to have that argument at Thanksgiving with your like, no. racist uncle or whatever. No, you just matter. don't. Um, what I would what I would say moving forward this is watch it closely. Talk to people about IVF. Talk to people about access to women's health care and use use that angle of IVF. And if you are like Rachel is hinting at, if you're a guy, not hinting at, but saying, and I, I'm not, I don't say you. I'm. This is not you're saying that to me. I'm saying in general, if you are a me, very if broadly, you are yeah. a cis white male, if you are. Or women. Women or are guilty women. of this, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I think women sometimes are even worse because they're like, well, I am a woman and right. like I do women things and like I women every day. And you're yeah. like, yeah, you're a woman who goes to PCA meetings and has never listened to me on this issue before in your life. And I'm asking you to listen right now. And like, that's please. that's who needs to listen. Right. And that's I think if you're in my shoes, it's exactly what I did at the beginning of this conversation. And it's what we can continue to do, because we can all try to pretend like there isn't still some bias when it comes to that stuff, but there's a reason why I'm a pretty easy digestible subject to talk about this stuff. And that's a, it's kind of a superpower that I get to have is that I can look like the guy that can walk into the room where they're going to plan how to get rid of IVF. Right? Oh, yeah. And I can say, yeah, hey, this you is can be bad. super stealthy. Yeah, right. totally. And, and so if you're in that's that point, if you're in that space, it's a great time to stand up and say, hey, you guys should listen to these people over here. We should be listening to these women about their health care and we should step out of the way and we should, you know, this just how insane this actually is and bring your fellow dudes along because that's they need really to understand point. this. They need to see this and they need to understand the distinction between um, – because it's just not an issue that gets brought up in the right way. The understanding of women's health care by men is, you know – It's not great for – women don't understand their – I just had an argument Dearth with a is almost too simple of a yeah. word. <laughs> I had a, I've had arguments with my friends who are women about their own health care before because we don't – discuss women's health care in this country at all right it was it wasn't a, it was similar to the it was similar to the the little um the, the little spicy uh slack chat that we had where i was like i'm not telling you that you shouldn't go to this doctor i'm telling you that the podcast that your doctor just told you to listen to a doctor uh women's women's health talking about menopause i was like that is bullshit please don't listen to it it's all nonsense and she's just trying to figure out like how to feel better right and so like Women's health is one is, is a topic that is not discussed nearly enough because if women and men all equally understood female biology, we wouldn't be having these conversations anymore. Right. They would be over. So right. ignorance plays into the long-term strategy of people like George W. Bush, Dick Cheney, Mitch McConnell, Roy Blunt, uh, Mike Pence, you know, I'm talking about like the adults in the room who are oh, not Pence. I have to take him out of that. Um, hmm. uh, maybe even like Donald Trump to some degree who understand that they are playing the long game and that it doesn't really matter what the science is because they just need the evangelicals to support them. Right. Um, I think the last thing I'll say about this, like, how do you talk to people thing and how do you, so it's okay right now to take a big, if you're not somebody, if you're somebody who's like in the space and you're doing the work and you're uh, kind of a an old hat at this stuff, meaning you know advocacy and 
um, you know, if you've door knocked in your life before, if you regularly donate to campaigns, if you pick up the phone and call elected officials, I'm not talking to you. Take a step back. Just, just, just know that I'm talking to other people. If you are new to this discussion, now is a really good time for you to learn about conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good time for you to sit back and listen for a little while because nothing is going to happen for a while. This is going to be this is out of your control for a while. <laughs> I promise you that if you think that you can solve this problem with your own wits, your own wits, your own ability, you're wrong. Right. I promise you that if you think the answer to this is you starting your own personal or your own organization, you're wrong. I promise you that if you think that just because you've now decided that you're going to be a part of the solution, that you're going to solve all these problems, you're also wrong. This is the time for you to learn who the stakeholders are in your own community. Um, you don't have to get along with all of them. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be your friends. Mm-hmm. But you do have to go... Okay, well, I've never done this before, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm just apologize. I'm, so, no, I'm again, like I'm not. This is not what happened with Adam and I. This is not what's right. like. I'm just taking even a bigger step back. Say, I am so sorry that I didn't do more until now. I have my I have my uh, credit card out. Right. Um. Where are these donations that I'm going to make going? Because right. that's what everybody needs right now is your money. Yep. Everybody need. You know who needs your money? Crystal Quaid. You know who needs your money? Lucas Kuntz, you know who needs your money? Missouri's for constitutional Missourians for constitutional freedom. You know who needs your money? Uh, uh, whoever the hell's gonna Elad Gross. All these people need your money. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. talk to those people. Get out your checkbook, and it's gotta hurt. Yep. I want you to give because the rest of us have been giving money to the point of of being. I, I, I've gone into debt during congressional cycles because I was like, well, here we go. So. Um, whatever it is that you do, if you haven't done it before, or if you're new to it, it's got to hurt or it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Time. If you have time money, if you have money, both, if you have both and, uh, it's not all about Biden and Trump folks. That's not, no, the, that's not no. the only election that's happening. No, Mog is so much more here. Mog is going to be here. Uh, if Joe Biden wins and I, I, I think he will, but like, we still got to dig in and because MAGA, man, MAGA's not going anywhere. It's going to be here. So we got to yeah. learn how to stay together even after November. Got us. We still got to be a united front yeah. or it's going to get worse. Well said, Rachel Parker. Thanks for hanging out. Another wonderful week. And uh, we'll, uh, yeah, hope man- everybody has a great week. Manifesto. Manifesto. <laughs> Heartland Pod is a production of MidMap Media LLC. Producers Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Diller. Outro song by American Aquarium, written by BJ Barnum, called The World is on Fire. Learn more about the Heartland Pod at heartlandpod.com. Learn more about American Aquarium at americanaquarium.com. That's when I saw a tear fall from her eyes She said, what are we gonna do? What's this world?